A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. With the federal vaccine mandate looming large for any businesses with 100 employees or more, this could have a tremendous impact on Wisconsin agriculture. How are you doing, everybody? Farm Director Pam Yankee, glad to be along with you on a Tuesday. We're going to talk about it with Kurt Larson, President and CEO of the Equity Livestock Association. They really are the dominant marketing partners for Wisconsin farmers when it comes to marketing livestock. Uh, taking care of about 750,000 head annually, but they have more than 300 employees. So that means a federal vaccine mandate would be something they need to track. Kurt's very worried about losing even more employees if the mandate goes into play, and that may mean shutting more of their livestock markets. We'll discuss. Also, kind of keeping an eye on cleanup efforts in the state of Kentucky, where that tragic storm rolled through last Friday, up to about 74 deaths so far. But Kentucky agribusiness was also negatively impacted by that storm as well. We'll get some of the latest details. And it's a Tuesday. That means our man, John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, steps in. Markets are lower this morning in Chicago. What's the news behind that? John will have it for us. Overlook Farms. Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month? A minute? I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently. If now's not a good time... Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide, I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got? Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno... Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. It's always fun to track students that are involved in FFA in Wisconsin, former state FFA officers, and that includes Mary Ledman. I'm Bob Bosel at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And if you know dairy economics, you know the name Mary Ledman for years uh, with the Dairy Daily Dairy Report, now with the Robo Bank. And uh, Aaron, being a federal off- a former state officer, you, you have a, something in common with Mary in that part, but... Uh, she knows how to talk dairy economics, doesn't she? Yes, definitely. And actually, she's also not, or she's also from not far where I live, far from where I live now. And we got a chance to talk about milk on a global scale. And a focus is put on where all the world's milk is produced and where it's headed from there. I actually learned that there's quite a bit more competition out there than I even realized originally. Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Mary Ledman, like you say, global dairy strategist with Rabo Research. I had a chance to talk with her during the Dairy Insight Summit held with professional dairy producers of Wisconsin. We visited about how her and her team work to analyze where all this dairy is coming from and where it's going, while also focusing on what's going on here at home. All of the top dairy producing countries have a little different focus, but one actually interesting thing that is similar, many do have a sustainability commitment that they made to meet by about 2030. That's correct, Aaron. So I'm the global dairy strategist for Rabobank. And uh, I lead a team of eight analysts from around the world. And it's a real privilege to, you know, work with this group of uh, people. I've got an analyst in China and Sao Paulo, Brazil, New Zealand, Australia, a um, couple in Europe. But I'm just a farmer's daughter from Monticello. 
And so it's uh, what I've done here with my career is, you know, really focused on the dairy industry, both domestically and globally. And the team, we put together a report every about five years, and, and lately they were looking for, you know, 10-year outlook. You know, what does the world look like in 2030? Because a lot of companies are also making sustainability commitments for 2030. So what does that mean to the dairy industry? And the shorter answer to that is it's a real opportunity for the U.S. dairy industry because the three largest exporters in the world are um, the European community and New Zealand and then followed by the United States. And Europe, uh, there's a lot of social economic constraints, political constraints coming into Europe. We see European milk production increasing by just 0.6% annually over the next decade. Uh, New Zealand is tapped out on cow numbers, so their productivity longer term is going to be dependent upon milk production per cow. And then we turn our attention to the United States, where we still see, um, you know, dairy plants being built. Um, and, you know, when they build them, you know, the dairy, the cows will follow. And so we see U.S. milk production growing by about 1.5% annually over the next decade. And that will, you know, uh, will increase U.S. presence on the global market. Sure. And now you kind of talk about how, I guess, the United States compares to those others uh, ahead of it and maybe, you know, opportunities for growth. Where do you think, you know, how do we stay competitive in the global marketplace and, you know, getting our exports to places, getting countries to, you know, want to purchase from the United States over other places? And, and, you know, with more volume, you know, how do you, do you ever see us surpassing those other two as well? Um. Do I see us surpassing them? Um, we will surpass New Zealand by 2030 in the amount of exports. Now, New Zealand exports, you know, 98% of their production. A lot of cows, not a lot of people. Um, and they have a seasonal production base, right? So they basically start calving in August and they dry up in May and they're, you know, have a couple months vacation and they do it all again. So they don't have the same amount of, you know, the, the stability of the monthly milk production like we do in the United States. So I think one of our competitive advantage in the U.S. is that sustained, you know, monthly production year round. Europe, um, you know, part of the European production it's going to really be interesting to see how it develops. But Europe is also like 85% of a domestic market. They have a large domestic market. Over the years, the products that we've produced from the world market have largely been commodity. And I see that changing to some markets as the developing countries are going to want more specialty products as well. Sure. Definitely. Now, you talk about that a lot of companies, you know, by that 2030 mark are really kind of putting in some sustainability plans or trying to figure out, you know, how things are going to look. What does it look like for dairy scale on, I guess, on both the United States side of things and I guess a global scale when it comes to sustainability and, like you say, continuing to produce more and more efficiently, but also be sustainable all at the same time? Right. And, you you know, the definition of sustainability keeps kind of evolving as well. And um, there are companies that clearly have greenhouse gas or carbon emissions targets. Some companies also have water uh, savings targets as well. Um, The short answer is that it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, but everybody is going to have to do something. And at the end of the day, the tracing or, like, the monitoring the reporting and the verification of these production practices changes on the farm are going to be critical, um, you know, to because 
the largest dairy buyers in the world, if we don't have that traceability and that verification, the risk to the dairy industry is that we are going to be formulated out of products, right? And and there are plenty of plant-based alternatives, you know, just chomping at the bit to take take the place of dairy. Um, and as we know in the dairy industry, they can't match nutrient to nutrient. But in some of these products, you know, where dairy is just an ingredient, that's where we're most vulnerable. Definitely. Any other things going on kind of, you know, on a global scale that we have to keep an eye on here at home to, you know, again, keep that competitive advantage and, and keep our exports moving? Well, it, trade is increasingly important in the U.S. because our domestic consumption with our growth in our population plus a modest increase in, in per capita consumption, you know, that maybe gets us to 1%. And, you know, that additional half percent of production um, is going to need to be exported. And um, we need to be cognizant. It's not just, you know, producing the product. It's the logistics getting it out of the United States. It's it's our rail. It's our roadways. It's our waterways. It's our ports. Um, There's plenty of information out today about how much more we could have been exporting if we haven't had this backlog at the at the port. So infrastructure is going to be increasingly important to secure our role in the global markets. Definitely. And, you know, I've talked to some people on the livestock side of things and the grain side of things that talk about this new infrastructure bill is really going to be beneficial for agriculture, fixing some infrastructure problems, getting some of that moving. What does it look like on the dairy side of things? And is that going to help there as well? It's the same story. It's the same story. We all have the same bottlenecks, and hopefully, you know, it'll be uh, over a period of time. This isn't going to happen overnight, but we're moving in the right direction. And then the other part of that is, okay, once we've got the infrastructure, we need to make sure that the trade, um, that we're engaged in in, uh, freer trade uh, longer term as well. Definitely. And now one last question, I guess, you know, when we talk about all those exports and that we're going to hopefully be increasing production, sending more out, do you see, you know, know, again, I've talked to some livestock people and some grain people, and we've seen increases in exports in both of those markets. Are we seeing as much of an increase in the dairy export, I mean, from our customers, or is that something we're going to have to keep working on that it's maybe a little slower like it is domestically? We definitely still have to keep working on it because even our, even our global customer is changing. And a good example of this is the infant formula market in China. You know, even five, six years ago, China was having like 16 million babies born each year. And this year, it's going to be down closer to 11 million. Um, And but when I look out in the demographics over the next 10 years, uh, China with 1.45 billion people, and I like to say anything times a billion is a pretty big number. Um, but over the next 10 years, we're going to see the number of people in China under the age of 20 drop by about 20 million. But with the demographics changes, the number of people over 50 years of age is going to increase by 100 million. So that's like one third of the United States. So that, you know, targeting what are those what we call active silvers going to need from a nutrient density, that's where the real opportunity is for the for the dairy industry. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you for all that insight. Here with Mary Keo Ledman, Global Dairy Strategist with Robo Research here at the Dairy Insight Summit with PDPW. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
this looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% .9 of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai Tankless Water Heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go Tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai Water Heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Boy, I'd say in the next 48 hours or so, you're going to feel like you got to pinch yourself and wonder if you're in Wisconsin. Let's find out about what's coming our way weather-wise. Tumak Ag Meteorologist joining us on a Tuesday morning for a quick update on that. Yeah, you know, uh, it's... Kind of funny, depending on where you are in the state, uh, still plenty of remnants around from the snow over the weekend, but not for very long if we hit the temperatures we're expecting today and tomorrow, huh? Well, yeah, that's it. You may not have to pinch yourself. You had a big sail. You might get, be able to head up into the UP by about Wednesday with the winds we're going to see, too. Uh, that's maybe one of the big things I'll mention right now, the high wind warning in effect and that's for La Crosse, Mauston, and Madison areas just west of Beaver Dam and Fond du Lac and Oshkosh as well. All of that high wind warning, 6 p.m. Wednesday night till 6 a.m. Thursday. And in that time, some wind gusts go up to 45, 50 miles per hour, not out of the question. It'll all be windy for all of us, but that high wind warning in that western part of the state. Otherwise, we talk about very mild air. Yes, that's the big key. The weak fronts drop through here. No big deal. We still hold on to some pretty mild. And just like that, he was gone. We'll try to get Stumach back with us for your for your forecast in just a moment. Farmers understand the power and the value of the sun. They understand return on investment. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is an opportunity to get rid of that energy bill. Farmers understand taking expenses away. They, they just get it. It's the difference between renting and owning. You are renting your energy currently, okay? Own your energy. It's a no-brainer. You are going to have that energy bill. You're going to. 
It's a known expense that every farm has. Put a solar field in, put a solar system in, and now make your own energy. It's a business decision, just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. You should reach out to us, and we will come out to look at your farm for a very specialized, specific quote for you. Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All right, a couple technical glitches with us this morning, but I can tell you right now that uh, we are looking forward to very mild weather, uh, not just for today, but uh, for tomorrow. Like Stu was mentioning, there is going to be some weather-related challenges, though. High wind watch that's basically in effect for a good chunk of our listing area starting at 6 p.m., uh, Wednesday night through 6 a.m. on Thursday. That's going to be one of the big conversation topics that we've got to wonder about. So if you've got uh, Christmas decorations or something like that out there, they may be flying around. Stu Muck back with us. So let's have that forecast then, Stu. All right, let's talk about it. Still a pretty fair, mild day today, if you will. And although I do expect more clouds to be around, even leaning toward a mostly cloudy day, it really sounds pretty fine. A lot of upper 40s, around 50 degrees today. Southeast winds about 5 to 10. It's overnight that we see a little fog, and before daybreak, a small chance of a little scattered shower activity, if you will, stays very mild in the nighttime. I mean, we're talking 42 to 44 degrees, very mild indeed, with the south winds at 5 to 10. Of course, then on Wednesday, when that uh, high wind warning kicks in at 6 p.m. Wednesday night till 6 a.m. Thursday, Wednesday, more clouds, some fog, Showers more likely as we move toward the afternoon. Maybe some sprinkles earlier, but more likely in the afternoon. The low 60s, we could see a 64 or better in Madison. And the south winds are going to be quite strong, 10 to 20. Some gusts up to 35. The rain overnight, Wednesday night, for the most part, I'd say a tenth, maybe quarter inch of rain. That's about the most we're going to talk about, with the exception of in a thunderstorm in southern Wisconsin. Thunderstorms could lead to, to a little heavier localized rain and maybe some actual storminess to talk about at the middle part of December. But Wednesday night, not too bad as temps uh, still hold about freezing. Thursday, all that precipitation ends, and I expect mostly sunny and windy, low 40s, you know, 40, 42, and the west winds a good 20 to 25, gusting to around 30 and 35. Yes, cooler upper 30s with some clouds on Friday, but the winds diminish, and then it sounds like December weather for Friday, Saturday, and the weekend, Pam. Although we head back up into the upper 30s already into early next week, which is, believe it or not, back to above normal. Yeah, I believe it. I do believe it. So the as far as the precipitation packages, nothing nothing white anywhere in the state for, for most of this week then, huh? Well, way up north, even with this system into Wednesday night and Thursday, they may get some snow or a little mix of precipitation, but yeah, we're not going to build up a couple of inches anywhere. Well, but didn't they pick up the snow? Now this warmer stuff probably uh, have a, a lot of mud running water. Oh, yeah. Well, you look up toward that north-central part of the state, and there was some 12- and then 13-inch snowfall amounts that wrapped up the weekend. Yeah. You know, they're all in winter, let's go gear, mm-hmm. and Mother Nature's going to change that for us here, too. All right. Very good. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, buddy. Thanks.
All right, take care. Stu Muck is our Ag Meteorologist with a quick weather update for you. A good, positive weather update. That's the good news when it comes to these temperatures that are out there. Uh, the weather at all, is that uh, still influencing our markets? Well, the good news is that we've got John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing, our special guest this morning. He'll be joining us live to tell us what the conversation's like on Wall Street, uh, as well as uh, what's happening with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Stick around for that. The federal vaccine mandate... There are a lot of agribusinesses in Wisconsin with 100 employees or more that have to get ready for that. We're talking with one coming your way yet this morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Be prepared for the cold months ahead with a trip to Blaine's Farm and Fleets, where we carry a wide assortment of feed, de-icers, bedding, and more. Right now, take $2 off select Stanley Forage products. Buy three bags of select Neutrina feed, get one free, including Safe Choice, NatureWise, NutriBeef, ProForce, and Empower Balance. 50-pound bags of AgriMaster 2220 Medicated Super Supreme Milk Replacer. Now buy three bags, get one free. Plus, check out these doorbuster deals. Men's Work and Sport Thermal Henley or Crew Shirts, your choice, just $19.99. Buy two 64-ounce jugs of Power Service Diesel Fuel Supplement and get a $10 mail-in rebate. And give your furry friend a new bed. Right now, AKC Jumbo 40 by 52 Pet Beds are $26.99. Rewards members pay $21.99. Find your must-haves in-store or buy online and pick up in our convenient drive-thru. And now, if you order by noon, try our new same-day local delivery option. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. It's that time of year for giving and taking. With so many people shopping online because of the pandemic, this holiday season, we are expected to have a record-breaking year for home deliveries and those pesky porch pirates. These adventurous thieves feast on crimes of opportunity, often finding their treasure in apartment complexes and vulnerable front porches. If you'd like to keep your deliveries, Mattis Neary Crime Stoppers has a few package theft prevention tips. Have your packages held at your local carrier facility for pickup. Take advantage of ship-to-store for curbside pickup or check out Amazon's locker feature. You can request that your package have a signature confirmation upon delivery. Ask your carrier to place packages in an area out of plain view have packages delivered to your work schedule delivery for times you will be home have packages delivered to a neighbor who is home or install a video doorbell since they are already on your property and porch some of these porch pirates will also check for unlocked doors so make sure that the exterior of your home and any vehicles are locked up every day and night if you have any information regarding porch pirates please contact madison area crime stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com individuals contacting crime stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward Compere Financial wishes farmers and agribusiness a safe harvest season. Stay in touch with your local Compere team throughout the year to see how they can help make your plans a reality. Exceptional client experience at the heart of everything they do. Visit Compere.com or call 844-426-6733 today. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to get the answers you need. When you call us during regular business hours, you'll be greeted by a relationship banker. No maze of automated prompts to maneuver here. Just a friendly hello from a banker you know. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Overlook Farms. Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month? A minute? 
I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently. If now's not a good time... Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide, I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got? Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno... Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Farmers understand the power and the value of the sun. They understand return on investment. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is an opportunity to get rid of that energy bill. Farmers understand taking expenses away. They they just get it. It's the difference between renting and owning. You are renting your energy currently, okay? Own your energy. It's a no-brainer. You are going to have that energy bill. You're going to. It's a known expense that every farm has put a solar field in, put a solar system in, and now make your own energy. It's a business decision, just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. You should reach out to us and we will come out to look at your farm for a very specialized, specific quote for you. Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a zero dollar energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. cold winter months, you may notice drafts around your windows and doors. Now is the time to let Prairie Exteriors give you a full, free inspection and show you what new windows and doors can do for the health of your family and your home. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com I'm being accused of uh, being Aaron Rodgers' biggest jock sniffer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I saved that for this guy right here. Our sports director, Zach Halpern, my one true love. Good morning, Zach. Good morning. Always <laughs> always wearing my jock, especially around you. <laughs> Smells like roses. Always. Smells like roses, yeah. Zach. This mm. uh, mm. like, oh, God. Zach. Hello. You were at Lambeau last night. I was at Lambeau last night uh, with... 80,000 of my closest friends. Is it true? Well, hey, don't make me jealous. Is it true that Virginia McCaskey was there to sign over all the paperwork to Aaron Rodgers, the true and rightful owner of the Bears and Soldier Field? I did see something after the game. Yeah, I mean, he was a little late getting to the press conference, so I'm pretty sure he stopped somewhere along the line to get those papers because the dude is just insane when it comes to the Bears and I mean, 61 touchdowns. Surpassing is- Brett Lorenzo Favre. Yes. Surpass- uh, uh, yes surpassing Brett Favre. It was a uh, yeah, impressive performance, obviously, uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, but there's what? I believe there's three phases to the game. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that. But oh, yeah, we Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, owner of the Bears still and forever. Zach, quickly on that, are you able to confirm Adam Schefter's report last night that he actually acquired a greater share? Because he tweeted it, and I, I can't tell if Schefter's joking. He's a Because lame-o. normally when he tweets per sources, he's not joking. He's a lame-o. He's, he's gathering evidence. Or is he gathering, gathering uh, information? And I'm sure he'll come out with a more detailed story <laughs> later this week uh, when he gets it all together. He, he you know, he, it's an accumulation of information, I'm, I'm assuming, here with Aaron, for Aaron Rodgers. He is such a stinker. Hey, Zach, mm. speaking of stinky, dude, um, I've been on this earth 33 years, you a little more than I. Have you ever remembered a, a display of the Packers special team as bad as it was last night? I don't recall. 
ever seen something like that. Not just Packers, not just Packers, but any any football team, whether Pee Wee, high school, Wisconsin. College. And Wisconsin's had some bad special teams, yeah. but nothing, nothing yeah. on the level of that last night. I look and they they revamped the defense and they kept some assistance around last year. They they revamped the coordinator, went outside to get an outside coordinator in Joe Barry. They continue to love to promote from within at the at, at why? Coordinator. why I don't get can it. you figure it out because I can't going all the way back to your boy Mike McCarthy mm, they Mike. Shot, Sean Sean Slocum was an assistant special teams coach for McCarthy's first three years then he gets the job as the head guy when Sean Slocum gets fired they promote from within they bring Ron Zook in right yep. and Ron Zook gets fired so then they they bring a new guy when Matt Lafleur comes in and now they give Mo Drayton who's been here for the last three years. This is his fourth year, and they bring him in. Like the special teams have been borderline atrocious. They've been terrible, borderline atrocious for pretty much this entire run of Aaron Rodgers' career, and even going back before that, they, they just have just never they've never been consistently good on special teams for multiple years in a row. But this year has been absolutely horrible, and you know it's uh, I don't want to say it's malpractice on coaching malpractice on Matt Lafleur's part by continuing to hang on to Mo Drayton, but. Uh, if you, it, there's a very good chance to cost them a game, and a game that will end their season. Zach, um, for the past up for the past 22 seasons, I was reading this, uh, you know, about the special teams coming into the year of like how Mo Drayton was going to be the guy to change it. The Packers over the past 22 seasons have been among the NFL's worst special team units over half the time. Yeah, no, they're they're horrendous, and I and if they're not the I worst, don't... they're right there in the bottom of the barrel, scra- almost scraping it. Yeah, I don't understand the obsession with uh, promoting from within in a unit that just isn't good. And uh, it could have cost them last night. It should have cost them last night. Yeah, and I mean, it was also across different units. It's punt coverage, it's punt returning, it's kick coverage, yeah, it's, it's kick everything. returning. Everything. It's everything. Everyone, so, everyone even Corey has had a bad punt, too. Right. Every, everyone had their moment last night. So even like if... Mason Crosby kicking, it, kicking out of bounds. Right. Like Blake Taylor... What was he doing? Inexplicably trying to, to catch a ball that was going out of bounds. I, now, did he actually just, have an, a, an abdomen injury, or did he just was so embarrassed he had couldn't go back on the field? That's what we were talking about in the press box. Oh, like, yeah, oh. quote unquote abdominal injury. No, obviously he's he's been dealing with that. He missed two games before this, I believe, with that abdominal injury. But the timing was very uh, peculiar, very favorable on his yeah. part. Or yeah, peculiar, peculiar. Yeah, it's a hard, tough word to say on a Monday. Oof, oof. Mm, yeah, I mean, it, peculiar. It, all around, peculiar. everyone had everyone, everyone on that. <laughs> Special teams unit, or I should say, every part of that special teams unit had issues outside of the extra point unit. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, the temperatures will be mild again today, but more clouds than sunshine, and it is going to be windy. 49 are expected high today. Tomorrow could be a record-breaking Wednesday around the state of Wisconsin. Some morning showers possible. Otherwise, tomorrow's daytime highs around 64 degrees. I'm Pam Youngke. Now, from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. So today, the 14th day of December. On this day back in 1964, the Parker Pen Company was traded for the very first time on the New York Stock Exchange. Parker Pen, I don't know if you realize it or not, originated in Janesville, Wisconsin. For its first 40 years, the company was a closed corporation that in 1928 
It went on to the Chicago Stock Exchange, and then in 1964, it went to the New York Stock Exchange, and it's still there today. On this day in 2012, the deadly Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting took place. Adam Lanza killed 20 kids and six adults at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newton, Connecticut. Definitely a dark day for them on this day back in 2012. Happy anniversary to singer and actress Bette Midler. She's celebrating her wedding anniversary to Martin Von Hasselberg. They got married on this day in 1884 at the Starlight Chapel in Las Vegas. And now you know. Well, we're learning more details on the damage done in the state of Kentucky to Kentucky agribusiness. On Friday, that terrible storm that traced about a 220-mile path through the state of Kentucky killed approximately 74 people at the latest count and did a lot of damage to Kentucky agriculture. Ryan Quarles is the Kentucky Commissioner of Agriculture who's trying to keep a tab on damage done. As of right now, we're close to 15 chicken barns that are destroyed, and our staff, along with USDA, is aiding with the depopulation of those flocks. We know of at least one dairy that is putting down cattle right now and trying to save those that they can. And, of course, the physical infrastructure, the pictures don't hold a candle to what it actually looks like with grain systems being leveled. A brand-new research facility in Princeton, Kentucky, not even two years old, leveled to the ground. And this was a massive storm of massive destruction. That's Ryan Quarles. He is the Kentucky Commissioner of Agriculture, still trying to mobilize his staff to provide what assistance they can to Kentucky farms and agribusinesses damaged during that storm. He said right now they are working to create an agriculture-specific donation webpage. In the meantime, he says he's just asking for prayers. The one thing we can ask for right now are prayers as the recovery effort continues. But secondly, if you feel so inclined to make a donation, consider the Western Kentucky Red Cross as well as our feedingkentucky.org websites. And we will be creating this week an agriculture-specific donation webpage, not just for money, but also for other materials like fence posts, fencing, et cetera, et cetera. We do not know how big of a price tag this will cost. Difficult times for everyone in Kentucky, including Kentucky farmers and agribusinesses. That's Ryan Quarles, Kentucky Agriculture Commissioner. Again, that's feedingkentucky.org or also the Western Kentucky Red Cross. If you're looking to donate immediately, I'll let you know if they come up with that agriculture-specific donation webpage. Challenges of a different time facing a lot of agribusiness right here in Wisconsin. If a federal mandate on vaccine goes into play for employers with 100 employees or more, it could be a big challenge for a lot of Wisconsin agribusiness. And that includes the Equity Livestock Association. I talked about it with Kurt Larson, president and CEO of the Equity Livestock Association, and he said he's been dealing with a short of late shortage of labor for a while now. But if a federal vaccine mandate goes into play, he said he's very worried about how many markets he'd be able to keep open. You know, just a few years ago, we we were operating with 350 to 360 employees. Uh, you know, the, it got a little challenging before COVID. We were you know down in that 300 to 320 range, and you know, right right now, uh, as we're sitting here today, we're we're trying to run our operation with about 240 to 245 employees. and But, yeah, to, to lose too many more employees, it, it certainly is going to be a challenge to, um, 
to continue uh, operations as they are right now. Well, and that all of a sudden puts at risk a lot of Wisconsin agriculture, a lot of our livestock movement. If equity falls out of play, there are no options really, right, Kurt? Well, essentially that is correct. You know, we, we typically market uh, you know, 750,000 head of livestock each year. Um, you know, there are there are a handful of competitors of ours, but, uh, you know, they're they're just not set. They're, they're all handling livestock right now, too, and, and they're just not set up uh, with facilities or staff to be able to handle anywhere near that excess volume that, that's going to be available if, if we're not able. Uh, and, again, this doesn't affect a lot of them because they have less than 100 employees, so this regulation doesn't even apply to them. So um, they're, they're in a little different situation than we are, but, again, they still don't have the – the facilities to be able to move that kind of a volume or, or the employees to do it. So mm-hmm. um, there, there's definitely going to be a backup uh, of livestock uh, on the farms. And, and again, you know, we know from the beginning of COVID uh, initially, we weren't, we were not deemed essential sale barns are not deemed essential employers. And, um, you know, the packing plant stepped up and said that, you know, Hey, they're, they're just not simply not equipped to, to be able to handle those kinds of volumes. They, they need those livestock markets in place to collect livestock from those local farmers and get them sorted and staged, uh, you know, by category and type for the different plants. And then again, we're we're loading semis out of our markets all night long so that they can be at the plant the first thing in the morning and and have that first shift uh, um, lined up for them. And you know, so so to take us, you know, take our operations out of the pictures, it, it it's just not a matter of getting animals off the farm and, and getting them to the the plant. That we learned at the beginning of COVID, that's just not feasible. That's that's why we exist, and that's our role in the food chains. Kurt Larson, President and CEO of the Equity Livestock Association in Wisconsin. Now, remember, during the pandemic, they were forced to close one of their markets up in Marion, as Kurt pointed out. If a federal vaccine mandate goes into play and his employees object. Well, that could put at risk even more locations where farmers currently are selling livestock to be forced to be closed. Market-wise, this morning in Chicago, we're in uh, red ink territory. Talking more about that with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, in just a second. Right now, I can tell you we've got March corn down three at five eighty-one. We've got January soybeans down three at twelve forty. March wheat's down nine right now at seven seventy-nine. July new crop wheat down a dime at seven seventy-six. Yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese dropped two cents down to a dollar sixty-six. Forty-pound block cheese was up. Four and a half cents to one ninety one. Double A butter on Monday that finished the day down six and a quarter cents at two dollars and six cents. Fluid milk for January right now is down eight nineteen ninety eight a hundredweight. February milk closed six cents stronger yesterday at twenty o two a hundredweight. John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, is our live guest coming your way next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. At Tom's Auto Center, we're known for being upfront with our auto repairs. And name brand new tires. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Goodyear, Firestone, Brigstone, Michelin, BF Goodrich, Continental, and Kelly Tires. We carry and install them all. When you need new tires, Tom's Auto Center will make sure you leave happy. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. 
We'd like to take this moment to say thank you to our clients and staff members who continue to make Settlers Bank a preferred place to bank and work. We wish you the very best over the upcoming holidays and look forward to a prosperous new year. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. As usual for us Tuesday, our man John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing in West Bend, is joining us live this morning. Don't forget about their website, totalfarmmarketing.com, the toll-free number that you can call John or any of the staff, 800 334 9779. That's 800 334 9779. So here we are, John, quickly clicking through the weeks of December, getting ready for 2022. And I've got to believe, uh, you know, it's tax planning time for a lot of folks. They're really just getting a good grip at what 2021 was like and looking at the disposable income they're going to have for 2022. A lot of things come to top of mind planning, including fertilizer and input costs, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of balls in the air, per se, in terms of the variability that's going to be out there. So a lot of do- different news topics on a daily basis. And, you know, we talked to how volatile 2021 was and really looking forward to 2022, possibly keeping the same things on the radar, if not even making things even a little bit more on the volatile side. You know, obviously we're dealing with weather. We're dealing with what's happening globally. We got political issues that obviously keep blowing up on a daily basis. And still you got that whole underlying of impact of COVID and what could be going on in that regard so it's going to be one of those years that producers need to sit back and look at those mega trends and, and start making sure you're doing plans to risk manage your risk you know i'm i'm curious though how i'm fertilizer for example i mean at this stage in the game it is really a, kind of difficult to find a tool that can help you protect yourself from imminent increases that we're looking at in 2022. I mean, a lot of our partners in agribusiness do not want to make any promises on what they're going to be able to get their hands on or what the price will be if they can get their hands on anything. Are there tools I'm missing, John, that you're talking about with clients? Well, you know, in terms of the fertilizer side, we don't really have anything that we can touch base with, at least for the smaller producer. There is things that are out there for the larger corporations that have to handle the product in that regard. You know, but the biggest focus for at least the producer is going to be managing that the other side of the coin. You know, your input input costs are going to be a variable that's going to be moving around, obviously, on a daily basis, probably, in that regard. So what do we look at the other side? You know, you got good value in terms of prices for corn and soybeans. You got 
good value for, for wheat in the market right now? How do we protect at least that side of the equation? If you're making those purchases on the input side, come back over and at least make sure you're locking in some of those margins that are there, even though they might be extremely tight. They're still a lot better off if all of a sudden we produce ourselves a strong crop of GAN and next thing you know, we're back down into low $4 corn. You know, we're back into the 1050 beans because of the competition from the other side of the world. So those are those are the things that producers need to sit down now, understanding what your input costs are going to be and try to manage those. Obviously, the supply chain is going to be something that's going to be in the news for basically the entire year. So it's going to be something we'll have to keep an eye on. But at least somewhere you can use those tools on this side of the coin to kind of cover that risk and making sure you keep prices in, at least keep some margins in front of you. And then if things kind of work out, then you know you've got that floor in, in place. Flexibility is still going to be the biggest key, I think, again, for marketing in 2022. Protect your bottom side, but keep the options to the upside available to you. You know, again, keeping flexibility in the marketplace. I'll circle back to the input costs and risk management in a second here, but you touched on an item that we do need to keep an eye on, and that is what's happening in other regions of the globe. Uh, What are you hearing out of South America these days, uh, John, as far as uh, their crop productivity? I mean, that also, you know, we got to start thinking about uh, 2022, our acreage uh, distribution here in the U.S. What are you hearing in South America? You know, again, right off the the gate, obviously the Brazilian bean crop is still the biggest focus of this market because they're the world's largest producer of soybeans, and and those beans are going to our largest uh, purchaser in terms of China and that competition for price. You know, right now there is some issues in southern Brazil. You're probably seeing some of the internet pictures and photos out there. What's happening in the regions like Parna as well as in the, in the southern portions there. But the main core, Mato Grosso do Sul, Mato Grosso, those areas are cranking a very big bean crop that will probably outweigh any of the losses and we're still looking at record production out of Brazil and that's going to come and impact prices probably around that Valentine's Day window and, and into the spring so that is something I'm trying to get producers thinking about here at the, as we get going into the spring planning and how to make sure we're protecting the value that's in this market so things are good there, we're still really keeping a close eye on that southern Brazil into Argentina, does La Nina kind of rear its head here in January and February You know when that gets to be the window when they're starting to fill that crop out and that's still the area that's a bit of a question and i think that'll be a story that we'll start answering after the first of the year so let's uh, talk just quick about wheat because that's obviously something some folks already have in the ground uh, may be feeling pretty good about it if it doesn't break dormancy or do something crazy with this warmer than expected weather but uh what about the the influences on our winter wheat for next year you know, we go stick, take a look at that global wheat crop, and that's still something we need to keep on focus. That somewhere in the world, somebody's harvesting wheat typically pretty much every month of the year. Now we're in the middle of Argentina or Australia's harvest. We've had a lot of wetness there that could be causing some quality issues, but they had a monster crop, at least in terms of size. That's some of the reason the wheat market kind of broke back here recently. We obviously can see what's happening in terms of Russia and its prices. They raised their export taxes to $91 per metric ton yesterday. That should try to bring a little bit more demand here to the U.S. shores because of just making us a little more competitive. Obviously, we still got to keep an eye on what's going on with the weather situation. You know, we've had some decent moisture and some snow come across the northern plains. That might help out a little bit there. Obviously, the southern plains still look a little bit on the drier side. That's why we see some bid in that KC wheat crop and that price. You know, again, you still look at 
prices today. We're talking Chicago wheat, seven eighty-seven ninety on the board. KC wheat, eight dollars plus on the board. You know, there's an area there that you could build that floor and keep that flexibility to the upside. And that's still what I keep talking to producers about is having that flexibility. If the world all of a sudden has an issue and wheat decides to take off again in value, we don't want to lock yourself in, but we want to be there in case things you know have that floor in in case things do take off the other direction because very quickly we can see a turn in the weather that's friendly and also in the world wheat supplies catch right back up now again things still look pretty uh, friendly there on the global scale as again we got another year where production is not going to catch up to the amount of demand that's out there in the marketplace you know, you talk about uh, risk management, and I agree. The, I think sometimes uh, producers struggle with exactly how far they want to get in on 2022 when they still haven't figured out acres necessarily. I mean, we can buy all kinds of inputs, but we can also swap them out as Mother Nature dictates spring. How do you counsel them on that? You know, that's still where a lot of times those options come into play. And I know some people, producers don't like to use the option game, but at least it's an insurance policy on prices, you know, because right now, too, we're talking about getting the toe in the water, making some of those 22 sales. But people are reluctant because obviously we're, you know, a couple of weeks of dry weather or some type of an impact and prices could really kick in again, just given the supply situation and the demand that's out there. So that's where using tools that keep that flexibility in again, using a put option or making that sale using a call option and keeping things open to the upside. Again, that flexibility, I keep saying that key word, you know, is available to the the producer. Those are things that we're starting to talk about right now because, again, these are values that could stay here. But, again, if production just comes back to one level or we see demand tail off because of these high prices, prices will come down very quickly regardless of where we are on the supply side. It's just a perception of what the market thinks is out there. Yeah. John Heinberg's along with us, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Remember their website, totalfarmmarketing.com, and their toll-free number, 800-334-9779. Is it going to stay busy around your office through the end of the calendar year, the holidays, John? Do farmers have a tendency to uh, pull the trigger, make some decisions uh, during the holidays? Usually it gets pretty doggone quiet right about this time of year because, again, everybody's thinking about other things. And at this time frame, a lot of producers are going to be sitting on their hands. That's some of the reason we've got some decent strength on the market. We've already made the marketing plans for the year. Now we're focusing into next year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be a key. What happens next year is uh, do you see some grain start moving right away after the first year because of that mm-hmm. amount of income that producers have? Mm-hmm. So, But right now it's been pretty quiet around the office. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, we'll talk with you again next week before a lot of people exit and not. I'm guessing that we can still make a case to keep an eye on those screens and keep the phones ringing during the holidays because sometimes that uh, vacancy can make a big volatility. Very much so. So people need to be on the guard for the next couple of weeks Mm because a lot of things can move around going into the end of the year. Good deal. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. This 